In today's podcast, we are delighted to have with us former American NFL football linebacker. He played football for the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Washington Redskins. He also played college football at the University of North Carolina. Today, we have with us Eddie Mason, who will unpack a little bit of his experiences, his story, in his own words, because your experience is your story. Welcome, Eddie Mason. Thank you, Eddie, for taking this time to be a part of my podcast, YouTube video. I really appreciate it, and well, I'm expecting to have a great time talking to you and to sort of explore some of, you know, some of the things that probably we don't even know. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for, thank you for having me, Dennis, Coach Dennis. Thank yeah. you so much. It's a blessing right. to be on your podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. So we're going to go ahead and get started. So we're going to start with your childhood. Let's start there because that's where we need to start, right? At the beginning. Describe your childhood years growing up in North Carolina. Is that correct? North Carolina, right? Yes, indeed. Yeah, just introduce us to the, introduce the audience to your family and, um, you know, those people in the family that plays an integral part of your life. Indeed. Yeah. Well, that I would, I would say there's, there's, four majors. The first major is my grandfather, uh, Walter Lee Cheek. He was probably the greatest influence on my life, alongside my amazing mother, Jean Mason, and then my uh, my grandmother, uh, Muriel Cheek. They were probably my most greatest influence. My father, um, when I was young, he was uh, had some bout with alcoholism and some other things. And my mother chose when I was about four or five years old to exit that situation and put us uh, with in a, and just in a better, I would say, spiritual, a better, uh, uh, just connected family. And most importantly, just uh, a foundation where we could really be, you know, be mentally healthy and be in a good, safe space. And so I always uh, applaud my mom for having the strength and the courage to know what was right at that moment. So that we had an opportunity to at least achieve our dreams and goals as young people. And so, um, but my, my grandfather, for me personally, was probably uh, my greatest, as I say, my greatest spiritual influence. Extremely humble man. Uh, he was a carpenter as well as a farmer. And so I grew up on a farm, actually, a small farm, but a farm nonetheless. And that's really how we, how we survived as a family. My grandfather, he did a lot of woodwork at a sawmill. Uh, he made chairs, he made different uh, furniture products, different things of that nature. My grandmother actually worked in a wood mill. She was actually tough as nails, probably one of the strongest physically and mentally women that I know. Um, and then my mom, she worked three, four jobs, man. And it was really, a, I call it a collective team effort of the three of them that really had a tremendous influence. My mother gave me the work ethic. My grandfather gave me the um, the strength, spiritual and physical strength. Working on a farm is not easy. Not easy, absolutely. And, and, and then my grandmother, she gave me the uh, she gave me the grit, the toughness, mm-hmm. you know, blue collar mentality. And so I think that the combination of the three of them, seeing their labor, their hard work, and their influence on my life really molded and shaped me, which could have been a lot of tragic and trauma. But my mom again had the strength and the courage to leave that situation and put us in what she felt was going to be a better life for us. 
Okay, so I did say that we're going to know some things about you that we never know before. So that was something that I know. I know you're a tough coach, and I, I know I can see where that came from. Um, yes, sir. All right. So you, you, as a kid leaving your father, how difficult was that? Because I'm, normally, yeah. you, you know, a young boy will always want their dad around and all mm -hmm. that type of thing. How did that tell us a little yeah. bit? That's, that's a great question. And honestly, uh, that was probably one of, there was two, two majors, I would say two major impact, two major impact, um, impactful moments upon my life that I think steered me off the spiritual path. One was when we did leave, when my mother made that decision. I knew in my heart, my gut, I was young, but I do remember the trauma. My, my last experience, my very last experience was my dad beating my mom in the back of my grandma, grandma Emma's house and him hitting me. I was trying to literally fight him to get him off my mother and him like literally hitting me and like knocking me back. And so I never forgot that. So that, that created a lot of anger, discontentment in my heart towards him. Um, even at that young age, like I was extremely angry. Now, flash forward when I was 13, my brother got killed by a drunk driver. So those two moments were probably the two pivotal like swings. You know, I lost my father. Then I lost my brother, my oldest brother. You know, those were two pivotal pieces, man. At a young age, you know, I'm going through, you know, as a young, young lad coming up to adolescence, moving into transition to manhood. Those were two tragic uh, incidents in my life that happened that I thought were like, Whatever. To answer your question more specifically, as it relates to my father, yes, I long, I had longed for my father. I had longed for his love, his companionship, his, uh, you know, those wise words that, you know, most young men should be getting from their fathers. I had longed for that. I had really, really longed for that. And I never, my mom did the best she could. My grandfather did and my grandmother did, but it, it never replaced, yes. it never replaced that you know, what I had always envisioned as being like that father-son relationship. I never had that, you know. Now I got it through other people, coaches, mentors, along the way, pastors, but I never really had that experience growing up. And so, you know, compound that with losing my brother at 13. Yeah, I mean, that anger. Now, my mother, she really, really was a tremendous influence in forgiveness. And she always would tell us this. She was like, never hate your father for what he did to me and us. She would always say that. And I never forgot that. And that was seeds of forgiveness she was sowing into us that manifested later on in my life. Okay. So I know I would like to push forward, but I have to kind of revert to the fact that, okay, so your mom instilling you that you must never pretty much take what happened to her. And, mm -hmm. and turn it against your dad were you yes. able to reconcile <laughs> with, your, with your dad or yeah yeah so late later on in my life like when I was playing with the New York Jets this was many many years later but my, I think I was in my mid-20s um my dad passed away when he was 50 no 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 66 66 years old so he passed away when he, when I when he was 66 but our last conversation, you remember I told you my last experience <clears throat> when I was five was him hitting me. And my last experience with him right before he passed away a year later 
was him and I sitting on the porch, man. We was on the porch of my uh, my mother's and my grandfather's house. And man, we just sat there and just talked about life. And he was just telling me like, you know, things that I didn't even know about him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like his struggles and the things that he went through as a man and, you know, the stress of, you know, like, you know, raising a family, you know what I mean? And having the responsibilities and, um, you know, how he hurt. And my dad um, um, actually went to jail for for taking another man's life. Um, a lot of people don't know that. Um, and I went, I went, I went and visited him in prison. You know, um, he got out, it was a self-defense thing, but still he never got over that. He never recovered like from like taking someone's life, you know, because alcohol was involved and he knew he wasn't in his right mind. He could never come to, I would say, come to grips with forgiving himself. Mm-hmm. And I think as much as he died physically from, you know, just a life of alcohol and drinking and smoking and stuff like that. I think most importantly, he died from a broken heart. Broken you know what heart. I mean? Like, like literally just a broken heart. You know what I mean? I think that um, that was really like, I think the maturation process, as I reflect over it, you know what I mean? Our conversation, looking back over that conversation on the porch of him just sharing his heart with me as a man, it was really, it brought a lot of reconciliation. It brought a lot of peace. It, it, it really gave me a glimpse into who he really was, that he wasn't this alcoholic, abusive man. He was really a man with a big heart. It just could never figure out and overcome like these personal demons, you know what I mean? And so, but it was really good to be able to share in that moment with him because for me now, I have such a peace because my memory of him was not five-year-old. My memory is him when he was 65 before he passed away. So that's the beauty behind it all. Yes, and I'm happy that you were able to um, have that moment with him because those things are very important, especially for boys. All right, we're gonna yep. jump forward. So, uh, yes, sir. so we are now into high school. Um, mm-hmm. So, tell us a little bit about your high school experience. Um, when did you realize that you have a passion for football? Uh, when did <laughs> when did it really click? And if uh, I, and um, yeah. Tell us, tell us, dear, first, and then we will jump on to the next question. <laughs> you you gonna, you're gonna be laughing about this one. So. Okay. So I never liked football. I oh. never liked. Yeah. You yes. never liked sports. Yeah, I was a bookworm. So I played. I played youth football one time, one year, and I didn't like it. And so I was really more of a bookworm type guy, type kid because my mom, she was always a reader, mm-hmm. always a person. She was always involved in like, you know, reading. Like she always wanted us to. And education was extremely important to her because she didn't graduate college. She didn't get the opportunity to go to college and so forth, so on. And so education for her was like a big deal. And so for me, I just kind of grew up kind of, uh, I would say curious. And I'm still very curious about learning and about like, you know, understanding the world and seeing like, seeking to understand different things outside of my, what I call my little space, right? right. And so the, the, the short and long of it is, is that my older brother was really good in sports. The one who got killed. Mm-hmm. by the drunk driver he was really good in sports his name was Bucky they, his real name was Leonard Jawan Cheek but they called him Bucky that was his nickname and so um and so he wound up um he, he wound up uh being like this electric running back 
Like everybody knew who he was in the county. Um, like he was big, yeah. he was big. Like everybody knew like, man, nobody can run like your brother and so forth and so on. I was like this young kid, you know, it was like, I don't even know what that's all about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so one summer I was riding my bike because all my friends played football and they was like, you're not coming out. I was like, no, nah, I'm not coming out for football, but I watch you guys. And so, um, so I was riding my bike one summer and coach Phil center, who was really like a father figure to me, who passed away. Was it two years ago, but two, uh, I think it was two years ago, pre COVID. Um, he passed away two years ago, who was really a father figure to me. He saw me ride my bike in the, um, in the parking lot. And, uh, and he was like, he's like, aren't you Bucky's little brother? And I was like, yes, sir. He's like, you don't play football. I said, no, sir, I don't play football. <laughs> and so he, he was like, uh, he was like, what you do now? I was like, sir, I don't play football. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so, um, he wound up, um, convincing me to come out. He called my mom. He convinced me to come out. And, um, and he was like, he was like, you're going to be a great. I was like, I don't even know how to play. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> So two things happen, right? So so he's like, I'm gonna give you the ball. They say this is the play, this is what's gonna happen. So the very first play, they hand me the ball off. And I mean, Dennis, I got rocked. I'm talking about Not rock. No. I was like, this is exactly what I was talking about. I I don't play this sport. Yeah. yeah. The ball down. I was like, man, I don't want to play no more. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Hat, my head, helmet was on this side, my sock was over there. <laughs> Shoe was knocked off somewhere else. And um, Vernon Harris was the kid who hit me. I still remember that kid name. <laughs> and um, and uh, and so we wound up, um, he wound up, he came in and he was like, listen, he's like, knock down, but get back up. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm gonna give you the same play. I'm gonna give you the same play. We're gonna run it the other way. You're gonna score. And so, man, I ran, took the ball, 97 yards, scored a mm -hmm. touchdown. And that was the catalyst. And that was the catalyst. Oh man, nice, that was the catalyst. Nice. It, it was that. Yeah. It was that getting knocked down, getting back up, and having that having that right voice in my in my yeah, in my yeah. period of time to mm -hmm. be able to say, like you uh, can really do this. You know absolutely. what I mean? Yes, yes. Did, did you play any other sports? Did you run track? Yeah. So, so this these these are things I played tennis my freshman oh. year. Mm -hmm. Played. Ball, basketball and ran track I ran the hurdles yep and I went to states in the hurdles and I I hit the first hurdle if I'd have been coached by you I probably wouldn't hit it <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was in the finals in the, in the hurt in the hurdles in 1990 I think it was and um or 89 or whenever the year was and um I was in the hurdles finals in the state and I hit the first one and and fell down and got that was it did you get up by, oh so you didn't get up Oh no, nah, we're no good enough. It was it was all the way down. <laughs> yeah, we down and out. That's yeah. it. That was it. It was a wrap. I still got a scar to show it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna move forward to college, right? Yes, sir. Um, tell us who who are some of the people that you would say that um influenced your decision to play college football. Mm -hmm. Uh, greatest influences I think um was uh Coach Moody. Coach, Coach Darrell Moody, who was who was a recruiting and offensive coordinator at that time at the University of North Carolina, he was the one that was probably the strongest recruiter there. Um, just their their diligence in that whole process. And, and quick story caveat to that: um, I was recruited by a lot of schools uh, in my in my senior year, but 
I had missed a credit, academic credit, which was an oversight on myself as well as my academic counselors. And so I actually missed a credit. So coming into the summer, coming down the stretch in June, I, I had actually, I, I wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't go to school because I needed to get a summer credit. And UNC was the only school that stayed with me during that process. And I had a tremendous amount of offers, but um, that was a school that I felt like God was was basically sending me to. And I'm thank God for it because even though I had an opportunity to go into different visits, um, that was the that was the door that God was like, nah, this is where you're going. And so I really appreciate them sticking with me through that process. And not only that, but being able to teach us, you know, I can still remember like Coach Brown teaching us uh, um, about etiquette and about how to do an interview and about how to, um, you know, how much character was important and how to communicate, how to be a great communicator um, and how to be a great teammate. You know, so many life lessons outside of that. And the most important lesson that I've ever gone was, was Coach Carl Tarbush. This was probably like, from all the seeds that my grandfather sold, um, my mom, I met my amazing wife in college. Um, I think the things that was probably the most influential conversation, remember I talked to you about that anger that I carried in my heart. And I had played the game very, very violent. You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of like my outlet. You know, it was kind of where I could go out there and like literally like take all yeah, my frustration yeah. anger out on people. And I remember Coach Torbush sending, sending me down one day. He, he called me into his office, and I thought I had done something. He was like, no, you're not in trouble. You ain't done nothing. He's like, I'm actually calling you in because I want to talk to you about something. And I was like, what you want to talk to me about, Coach? He says, listen. He says, I see how you play the game. He says, but you don't play the game angry. He says, he says there's, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, son. And he says, I want you to kind of uh, get – get a get a handle on not just your attitude but like the spirit of how you do things and so he introduced me to christ he was really he was really first catalyst to like really sit me down and talk to me about talk to me about jesus christ if you know through fca fca athletes fellowship of christian mm -hmm. athletes at that point yeah. um and he kind of was the first catalyst now i didn't i didn't really um you know like really give my heart to the lord at that point but it was another seed that really, really like, it was it was like that wake up call, man. It was like, God just kept tapping me on the shoulder. Like, you know, like this is kind of direction. This is the way, this is the way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and, and from all those seeds between my grandfather, my mom, Coach Torbush, um, just having those conversations, those honest conversations with me, it was slowly like bending like bending my heart towards Christ, you know what I mean? And I, and, and that was probably out of all my college experiences, And I had some great ones, championships, all that stuff. Probably the most influential was that conversation. That to be conversation. quite honest. Oh, absolutely. yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That was probably the most influential. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we know that you went to, um, university of North Carolina and, um, you play football there. And, um, so what was the, just briefly tell us a little bit about the college football experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about the college experience and when when did it really click that you are an NFL um, hopeful or a prospect? Yeah, thank 
you know, um, this is it, that's a great question. Number one, um, there, a, a couple of weeks ago, right? I was with my, my freshman year when I when I came in, when I came to school in the uh, in the uh, mid uh, 80s. Um, one of the things that um, that was really that I didn't remember my my first college roommate was 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 Tony Lee. And Tony Lee came to my gym probably about a month ago, right? So I didn't even know he lived in the area, but we were college roommates uh, my freshman year. And he asked me this question. He says, he says, what do you want? He said, what do you want to do? Like whenever, um, you know, when you're done with college. And I said, I got two goals. I said, number one, I got to graduate because I owe my, I, I told my mom I was going to graduate college. That was going to be my gift to her. And my second gift, I'm going to the NFL. And he was like, yeah, but what you going to do? And I looked him dead in his face. And I said, I'm going to the NFL. <laughs> and he asked me a third time. I said, yeah. I told you what I'm going to do. Yeah. Now, mind you, now mind you, let me show you how life works. So mind you, I was an all-state running back, whole deal. So when I got to college, Dennis, I actually lost my confidence. And I think a lot of it was because um, two things was, the college, the college jump, it was real fast paced. It was a lot for me. It was overwhelming. Academically, it was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, time management was overwhelming. Um, being able to have a self-discipline, you know. And the training, and the training. Yeah, training. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a lot, man. And so, and so as I was, as I go through the process, you know, going through that transition, it was like, it was like me kind of like, man, I was really overwhelmed. And so started partying, hanging out, doing all the stuff in college, you know what I mean? Not really focused. And it really set me back my first semester. Mm -hmm. And so really had to really, really buckle down my second semester and really like, you know, after, ha you know, obviously doing a couple of the morning workouts too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the morning workout. Get oh, your yeah. mind right. Yeah, they, yeah, they know how to get that mind right. And oh, so, yeah. And the coach not smiling. Yeah, ain't no smiling. No ain't yeah. smiling. <laughs> Yeah, you got two choices. You can line up, or we're yeah. gonna, you know, what I'm saying we're gonna really make you pay. Mm -hmm. And so, going through that experience, you know, remembering that conversation with my roommate, well, it was always about playing time, right? You know, earning that right to play. You know, getting on the field, and it took it took me a good year and a half to really start getting on that field, and that was frustrating, especially you know coming from high school. You know, you're a star, you're doing a lot of great things. You feel like you, you know, can play the sport at a high level. You start chip away at your confidence. And so coaches came in, it was like, hey, you know, you know, we got this many running backs, we got these many guys in the room, da da da. Would you consider doing X? And I was like, didn't really want to do it. And I didn't have enough confidence in myself to say, nah, I want to fight through this. So I just changed positions. Now, <clears throat> it worked out you know, for me, but I would always say, I would always tell any young people, man, when you have a dream in your heart, you have something that you really want to do, like, you know, stick, stay with your confidence, stick with your faith and believe in yourself. Like don't allow for other people to take you off path or, or make you think like you're not good enough. Right. You know what I mean? And that wasn't what the coaches were saying. The coaches in their right, they were just trying to put me in a position where I could play. You know what I mean? Where I could play early because they really felt like, you know, I could get out there and compete and do that. But 
I would still always tell young people, like, if you feel in your heart, that's kind of what you want to do. Like, never, 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 never lay down, you know, your belief and lay down your ability that God put in you to be successful and what it is God is putting your heart to do, you know. And so I think that I think that's the only thing that I would probably say, like, looking back, like, man, I wish I would have stuck to my guns and like stayed where I felt like I was I could be the best player that I, the position I want to play. But all that being said, God still worked it out. You know, um, I wound up, I wound up um, starting my junior and senior year. Um, wasn't like a great, great, great football player. I wasn't all conference, all world. I just was a hard worker. I was diligent. You know what I mean? I stayed the course. I did the work. You know, I had to, you know, I had certain goals in my heart. I was very driven and I have always been. And I just felt like that I could play. And so my last, my our last game in college was at the Sun Bowl. We played against the University of Texas. We got our butts handed to us, actually. But I had a really, really good game, and um, and that was kind of why I started getting on the map, you know, as a as a as a NFL prospect, and um and really starting to like be like, you know what, I think I can really do this. Sure, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can really do it. And the catalyst moment was we were flying back from that game. And I went and asked one of my coaches, I asked, I said, hey, I said, I said, you think I can play in the NFL? And he says, he didn't say no, and he didn't say yes. Yeah, right, right. And so when he when he said out, when he was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, your size, you know, you got great feet, you got tremendous speed, you got a lot of things that you could bring to the table, but but I'm not sure, you know. And I was like, I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. I just took it, I was like, okay. I was like, so I'm going to show you kind of deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At that point, man, it was like, I was like, all right, I'm 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 all in. And it, yeah. I think that was that same drive when I looked my roommate in the eye and I told him where I was going to NFL. Mm-hmm. That's when the dream was resurrected. Resurrected, right. Resurrected. The dream was resurrected, man. It was like, I needed to hear, I needed him to say that to me. Right. I needed so- him to tell me, like, I don't think you, he didn't say it. But you but can, I, yeah. That's how I took it. That's how you took it, right? That's all I needed was to be like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I can play in the NFL. And the rest is history. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about that, too, before we get off of this uh, Zoom call. Uh, yes, Quick sir. question. So did you have any backup plan if you didn't get drafted by the NFL? Did you have any nope. backup plan? No. None. Oh, okay, good. I had, I had, so that I was straight. I had a plan A and a plan A. I want to think about that. <laughs> There's no plan B. <laughs> yeah, plan, plan B. If, if plan A fail, then that's it. We deal right. with that when it happens. And yep. you wasn't gonna let plan A fail. Nope, I had okay. I had no intention. Yeah, it was. It wasn't even in my. It wasn't even in my mind that. And, and it wasn't arrogance. I just had a quiet confidence. I just knew. I know in my heart. I just knew it. It wasn't even like, I can't explain it, except for the fact that I knew I was putting in the work. I knew I was putting in the time. I knew I had the faith. I knew I had the belief. And I also knew I had I had, I had had the talent to play. I knew I did. I just knew it. And um, and I didn't, um, I never, looking back at it, and I've never had anybody ask me that question, I never even thought about failing. It wasn't even an option. Yep. So, and I think that was the grace of God and just, and just God putting divine confidence in me to believe, like, nah, this is the path I want you on. Right. Absolutely. And it's good that you were able to recognize that from a very early age, too. 
very early in your career. Not many people recognize, you know, when God is speaking and when God has them on a trajectory, they tend to kind of fall off. All right, we're going to jump into the second part, the second segment. So the NFL, right? Yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about your 1995 NFL, your six-round six draft. Is that correct? Yes, sir. How was that experience? And was that something you were con- – well, we know that you were confident because you just mentioned yeah. that earlier. That yeah. it was going to happen. But just tell us a little bit about that experience. And I, I can just imagine how happy your family was about that. Too. Yeah, that was, um, you know, looking looking back at it, it was really surreal because it's when you're young and you're like, you kind of expect things to happen and you're not really appreciative of the moment. You know, you don't really appreciate it until like you're older. And then you look back and you realize like, Man, that was something uniquely special. Mm-hmm. But it was also, man, it was a lot of God's grace and favor. And like, you know, like the ability to be able to be drafted, you know, out of 200 and some odd people, you know what I mean? To, that, that, that singularly in a lifetime, I don't know what the exact stat is, but, you know, but only 200, and 200 plus players get drafted every year. And, and, to, be, and to be what, number six? Yeah, and point point zero point zero six eight percent of people in the in the in the world, an entire world out of eight billion people play that game. You know, it's a very special um opportunity. I don't care if somebody get drafted, don't play a down in the league. We always tell guys like it's truly a gift, man. It's a gift from God. But the experience getting to your question, the experience of having that sharing it with Sonia, who was my girlfriend at that point, my cousin, Kawana, uh, my teammates. Uh, my mom wasn't, we, she wasn't able to come up, you know what I mean? Because we didn't have a lot of money at that time. And so um, it was really more like phone and we didn't have technology like we do now. We no, right. do all this stuff. So it was more of like, you know, like, man, like the call, the, the exact experience was, um, San Francisco 49ers called me first. They're like, hey, we're going to take you at pick number A, B, C, D, F, G. Um, and I was like, man, there's part of me. I was like, man, I got to go to California. I was like, you know, you get off the call, you're like, man, I'm about to get drafted by the 49ers now. I wish I would have now because they won the Super Bowl that year. But <laughs> <laughs> they would have had a Super Bowl ring. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that that wasn't God's plan. So no. we learned, um man, the next like the next few minutes, like I get a call from the New York Jets and they're like, hey, this is um I forget the general manager's name, but uh he was like, Hey, this is such and such. Hey, we're calling from the New York Jets, wanna let you know um that we're gonna draft you. We're t- we're picking you in the sixth round at pick number one one ninety-seven, whatever. And da, 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 da. and so it was like, I was like, man, I can't believe this is happening. You know what I mean? Like, so they actually, they, this is something behind the scene. They actually prep you for that or? No, nah, they don't prep not- you for it. Yeah, they just get that call. Oh, and it's you like, just get that call. Okay. Yeah, you get, a, you get a call and it's like, man, like you like really like, and then your name go across the screen and it's like, mm-hmm. man, I just like freaking got drafted. <laughs> by and it's crazy, but you go through this whole you go through this whole process of preparing for the uh, draft, the combine training, doing all the stuff, 
you know, like I like now, like the combine is starting today, like the combine starting today. So as I see guys prep for it, I remember going through all that experience and the stress, the highs and the lows of it. But then the um, just the excitement and the and the gratitude that you feel for like being able to be able to be picked, you know, to go play in the National Football League and play professional football was it was really surreal. And like I said before, you don't really realize how hard it is to even be selected yeah. until years later. And you're like, man, it's very difficult yeah. Yeah, to get, it is. get in the NFL. Similar to being in the Olympics. It's like it's an elite group of special human beings to be able to do that. So 